Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3 as we continue on in our trek through Peter's letter to the exiled Christians of Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia and Asia and Bithynia and Stephenville, Texas, 2014. Last week we looked at Peter's instructions to wives that they are to submit to their own husbands that they are to focus on their adornment, but that adornment that they are to focus on is internal, on their heart, not external, with the braiding of hair and fine clothing and jewels. And this week, we continue in our text as it relates to marriage with some instruction from Peter, from God through Peter, to husbands. And it's a short and simple verse. Last week we had six verses for the ladies, and God gives one verse to us men, to us husbands. And it goes like this, likewise husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. Father, I pray that we would take these four short phrases and that if there's a man in this room that needs to be changed, that you would do it today, starting with this man preaching this sermon. Father, you've called a sinful man to preach to sinful people. I'm not perfect on this verse. But would you take all of us and conform us more to this image as a result of hearing this word? And pray this earnestly in the name of Jesus. Amen. This verse calls a husband to be about three actions. Three very specific actions towards his wife. And this passage has one purpose in the context here for us men, us husbands, taking these three actions. Here's the action. Live with your wife in an understanding way. That's action number one. Action number two is show honor to your wife as a weaker vessel. Action number three is embrace your wife as an heir of the grace of life. Those are the three actions that we're going to look at. And there is a grand purpose for these three actions. So that your prayers may not be hindered. So that your prayers may not be hindered. Here's what I want to do this morning. I want to flip this. And I want to look at the purpose first. And then we're going to come back and look at the three actions that we're to take. Because we really have to get men, we really have to get the purpose for which Peter gives us these instructions. And let me just give you a quick aside here. If you are here this morning and you're not a husband, like I said last week, you cannot check out on this sermon. Uh, Ladies, we've got some college ladies here, we've got some high school ladies here, maybe a little early to be thinking about marriage, but you're going to hear from God in His Word this morning Ways that you should pray for the man that God's going to have for you. This is going to be a valuable sermon for you because you're going to see God's instructions to husbands. And this needs to inform your prayer life. 
Moms, you need to pray that your sons will be men like this with the lady that God would give them. Wives, you need to pray, okay? Wives, you need to pray, Lord, would you cause my husband to be like this? Husbands, last week needed to pray, Father, would you cause my wife to be like that? So this week, wives, pray that your husbands would live out this short verse. So no one's exempt from this sermon. This sermon is very applicable to all of us. You've got family members that need husbands like this. So pray for them and let's see what God would have men to be like so that we know how to pray. So I want to start with the last point, the purpose of Peter's writings. And then we'll look at the three actions that we're to take for that purpose. The grand purpose is there at the end of verse 7. And it is so that your prayers, husbands, may not be hindered. Circle that word, so that. I do this every week, I think. Circle that phrase, so that. That is a key phrase that is giving you the purpose behind what he's writing. And I want to tell you, men, that this purpose is much bigger than you think. Satan would have you to believe that this prayer life not being hindered is really not that big of a deal. But I want to unpack for you this morning what it means for you as a husband, you as a man, any human being for that matter, to have their prayer life hindered. Because that is not a good state to be living in. Your prayer life to God your Maker, God your Savior, for that to be hindered is to be in a very, very precarious position. What does it mean to have your prayers not hindered or to have your prayers rather hindered? It is to mean that you will not be heard by God when you pray. (laughs) It is for God to turn a deaf ear to your prayers. He hears your prayers, but your prayer life is hindered. Your relationship with God is hindered because of the way that you're treating your wife. That is what this passage is all about. It is to be in a strange relationship with God at best, and it is to be separated or isolated from Him at worst. And neither one of those are good. It is to be, perhaps, ultimately, even without the desire to pray. And I want to tell you, men, I I know this from experience. When I am not right towards my wife, unless it's a prayer of repentance, the last thing I want to do is pray to my God. If I'm not in a harmonious relationship with my wife, I can't be in a harmonious relationship with God who gave me her. And so this is a big deal to have your prayer life, your relationship with God hindered because of your relating with your wife in a way that is not according to his purposes. And I think you know what that feels like, husbands. We're not running to the prayer closet and getting down on our knees when we're not right with her. And may God never let us live that dual life, right? And so prayer, I like to say this. I like to say that prayer is like breathing. Spiritually speaking, our prayer life to our God is like breathing and drawing in good, rich oxygen that fuels our bodies and our minds to act and think. And reading the Word is like eating. 
We, we eat the Bible. We ingest this and we get strength and we get nourishment. And if your prayer life is hindered, you will suffocate spiritually. That's a big deal. To have your prayer life hindered, to be suffocating spiritually in your relationship with God is a big time problem that you need to realize and embrace. So, that's the purpose. Peter says, your relationship with God, your prayer life needs to be vibrant. And it can only be vibrant if you're doing these three things with your wife. Let's now look at these three things, okay? Three actions that we are to take. Here's action number one. And men, take notes. Here's action number one. Live with your wives in an understanding way. Now, last week, we, we, we see that wives are to be submissive to their own husbands. I think it's very conservative to take this to mean here in verse 7, likewise, husbands, live with your own wives. The text doesn't say that, but God has created marriage to be between one man and one woman, exclusive till death do us part. And so, husbands, it is fair to say, live with your own wives in an understanding way. And this is a call to do two things in your relationship with this one woman. And here we go. First, you are to understand her. How do you come to understand her? How do you come to understand anything? You... you read about it, you experience it, and then you think about what you've read and what you've experienced. It's that simple. That's how we come to understand gravity. We read about gravity in a science book, we experience gravity right now, and then we think upon gravity in all of its applications in life. We do this with iPhones and computer. We, we read, we experience, and then we consider what we've read and we've experienced. Husbands, we are to read our wives like a book. And she is a book. And she can be read pretty easily. We're the ones that are hard to read. She is an open book most of the time. And then we experience her, which means we are with her. In all kinds of venues. And we're considering what we've read as we've watched her tick. We've considered what we've read as we've talked with her. We've watched her in action. Now we're living life with her. And then we, we go away because there's times that we go to this thing called work. But we're not done studying our wives because there we are considering what we've read and what we experienced. And we can't wait to go read some more and experience some more. That's what it means to live with your wife in an understanding way. And if you're going to understand anything in this world at work, in the Bible, technology, if you're going to understand anything, you're going to put some effort forth and you're going to read and you're going to experience and you're going to think on it. This is what you're to do with your wife, husbands. The bottom line is we as husbands are called to study our wife, not women, we are to study our wife because she's unique. She's unique to us. And we are called to do this. And so we're to read her and 
experience her and reflect on her. And in so doing, when we come to an understanding of our wife, we understand her vulnerabilities. And so then we protect her from where she's vulnerable. We understand her strengths and her giftings. So we put her in positions to thrive in those areas of giftings and of strength. Good example, if your wife is prone to worry and anxiety about finances, you do not have her do the checkbook. Do we do checkbooks anymore? You, you, you don't give her that role. You, you maybe do it with her, but you don't just send her off into the wild blue yonder in an area that she is not gifted at and riddled with anxiety from and say, I hope it works out for you. No, you understand her and you say, let me take the managing of the finances. And we could go on and on with applications, but you husbands need to study your wife so that you can understand her and live with her in a gracious, protective, understanding way. We don't look at a weakness of a wife and say, man, I'm going to get you to overcome that, and it's just going to be painful for years until you... No, we protect her from that because guess what? She is gifted in other areas that you're not. And you need to say, hey, let's put you right into that situation. And you thrive and honor the Lord with how you conduct yourself in this area that he has gifted you in. Now you've put her in a position to succeed. And you're living with her in an understanding way. And so this is what it means. And we can only know this after we've studied her. And that study takes some effort. And it's worth it. Secondly, under this, live with your wife in an understanding way. It is a call, husbands, to live with your wife uniquely. Uniquely. She is unique to you and you only. There's no other man that is to study your wife like you are. And you are not to study any other woman like you're to study your wife. This is a unique pursuit of understanding. Very unique. Totally exclusive. Totally. God gave us one woman. And she deserves and God commands our exclusive attention to her. And the bottom line for this is. If I might make a confession for all of us. Men. We, we are masters at studying ourselves. We're really good at understanding ourselves and expecting our wives to live with us as we understand us. That is not what the calling is here from Peter. We're not to be experts in me. And you better live with me as I understand me. That is, that is unbiblical. That is Ugly. There is nothing in the Bible that would support such. No, we are to be outwardly focused to her. And we are to understand her and live with her in a way that we have come to understand. All right, here's the second action that we're to take. The first one, live with your wives in an understanding way. The second one, we are to show honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. There's two things that we need to understand about this one as well. Number one. Your wife, a wife, is highly valuable. 
highly, highly valuable. The scripture says we are to show her honor. Honor is bestowed to one who is cherished and valuable and worthy. And Peter gives no qualification here for what kind of wife deserves honor. The wife, the one that you have, you are to show honor to her. Honor verbally, honor physically. I dare say even honor like right Sarah last week honored Abraham by calling him Lord in the tent when no one was around. We are to honor our wives even when we're away from them and thinking of them. Our thoughts about our wives should be honorable because God knows the thoughts of man. We're doing all this in relationship with God. We'll get to that in a moment. So we're to show her Honor. Why is she worthy of honor? I mean, we could go on and on. Let me give you two reasons. Number one, Genesis one twenty-seven, Made in God's image, just like you. He made them male and female in His image. So you are honoring her because she bears the image of the God who made you. That is enough. We could fold up and go now. That's the reason why you should honor your wife. She is a masterpiece of God's. Second reason. I dug for this one in Genesis 3.20 when Adam meets his woman, Eve. He names her Eve. And it says that he named her Eve because she was the mother of all the living. Your wife is to be honored because she is able to perform miracles under the hand of God in her womb. Or through adoption. There's all kinds of ways that this woman was uniquely gifted by God to do things to nurture up life. And a miracle happens. She is to be honored as Adam honored his wife. And honored her for the reasons that she was made in God's image. And she is able to bring forth life. The second thing that we need to know is that we show honor to the woman and, and we see here that she is called a weaker vessel. Oh, be very careful, man. <laughs> be very careful. Proceed cautiously with this phrase, weaker vessel. Don't abuse it and don't run from it because it sounds scary. What does this mean? She's not weaker in character. I'm going to tell you it's not that. She's not weaker intellectually. Guarantee you that one. She's not weaker emotionally. You want to debate with me on that? Be careful. She is not weaker emotionally. Let me just tell you about emotions right quick. Emotions are fallen. I'm going to tell you that many times the men are the weak emotional ones because we hide them. And the women are strong emotionally because they share them. The problem is, men hide their emotions too much and women tend to show their emotions too much. We're both broken. We're both fallen. We both need to come find that sinner. Men need to step up and emote. Women need to tone it down a little bit sometimes. Right? So this does not mean they're weaker spiritually, intellectually, or emotionally. Okay, it certainly doesn't mean spiritual weakness because they are, we'll see in a moment, fellow heirs with us. It simply means, it simply means 
that physically speaking, she's weaker. Anybody want to disagree with that? Physically speaking, the, the female gender is weaker than the male gender. And so she's a weaker vessel. We are to live with it in an understanding way, and we are to show her honor because of this. So we are to provide for her sacrificially. We are to protect her sacrificially. And, and, and here's the word that comes to mind. We are to be chivalrous with our wives. And there's not a woman in this room that doesn't want chivalry shown towards her. And let me tell you, the, the, the ultimate example of chivalry that we find in the Bible is in Ephesians chapter 5. Where Christ lives with his wife in an understanding way. The, the church is a weaker vessel. We are a weaker vessel than, than our Christ, correct? And that's spiritually speaking. And physically, in every way possible, we are weaker than our Christ. And he lives with us in an understanding way. Because Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's chivalry, spiritual chivalry. And so we are to provide and to protect sacrificially just like Jesus did. And she is to be a weaker vessel just like we, the church, are a weaker vessel towards Christ. Let me give you an analogy of this. And, and by the way, this passage has been studied thoroughly by Many men, about 30 men in this room, I don't know if they're all here today, but about 30 men last spring, we broke down and spent a week on each one of these phrases. And guys, I'm not sorry because you need round two of this. You do, I do. And there were many men that didn't participate in that that need to hear this. So here's an analogy of how we are to treat our wives as, as an honorable woman and a weaker vessel. And I'm going to take you into the woman's world. Let's go to, to an analogy of fine china versus everyday dishware. Okay, everyday dishes are durable. We can drop them on the counter. We can leave them out overnight with food cake to them. But we don't do that with fine china, do we? Fine china, we don't throw in the dishwasher and let the machine wash it. Fine china gets caressed and washed by hand, and dried immediately, and put up in a special cabinet, right? That's what we do with fine china. But the everyday dinnerware, we toss it around a little bit, throw it in the dishwasher, get some chips, and at some point, discard and get us some new stuff. That is not how we treat our wives. That's not how Christ treats His church. No, she's fine china. Highly, highly expensive. Highly expensive. And very, very fragile. Delicate. So, great worth, delicate strength. And we are to caress and nurture and protect this fine china. And God has given us, men, He has given us fine, fine pieces of china. Delicate, elegant crystal. And we don't, we don't just bang them around verbally. Certainly not physically. Certainly not neglectfully. We caress, we cherish, and we nurture. 
So this is how we are to treat our wives, and that is exactly how Christ treated His church. He took on flesh. He dwelt amongst her. He got dirty. He got bloody. He, he died wrongly, but He did it for her so that she wouldn't. Christ Jesus came to this earth, and He walked on this earth, and He never sinned, and He died on a cross for you. You're a weaker vessel. You could not have handled the cross of Christ. (laughs) And He did it for you. And we as husbands are to image that in this relationship that He's given us here on earth between our wives and us. Okay, the third thing. The third action that Peter calls us to, or the the first knowledge, the third thing that we are to be aware of is she is an heir with you. Of the grace of life. What does that mean? Peter tells us there's something really specific about our wives that we must know. First of all, the fact that she is an heir with us means she is our equal. Uh, Some translations say joint heir, fellow heir. So she is equal with you in her inheritance. Now, what is she going to inherit? She's going to inherit something called the grace of life. I'll go to that in a moment, but let's look at equality here for a moment and how our wives are equal to us. Earlier we said that God created her in His image, just like He created the husband. So they're both made in the image of God. But we also know this. Our wives, just like us, are fallen. Sorry to report this, but it's true. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. No one does good. No one seeks after the Lord. No, not one. So she is equal in how she was created like you in the image of God. And she is equal in that she has fallen before God just like you. You guys have this much in common. You are running parallel together. There is no place for superiority complexes in the eyes or in the mind of a husband. No place for it at all. None. And vice versa. We are fellow joint heirs. In this thing called the grace of life. So she is an equal partner in something of incredibly great value. Because the grace of life, it could mean two things. I think it might mean both. Uh, Number one, it means that she is equal to you and that she's experiencing life on earth right now. Breathing oxygen in and out and living in partnership with you. And it's a gift that God would give any of us life and one more day to live. That is a gift. So it's true that she's an heir with you in that. But I think the more true understanding of this grace of life concept is she will be an an heir with you. She will inherit with you the kingdom of God. She will inherit with you eternal life. You see, when Jesus died and rose from the dead, and we profess that with our mouth and we believe that in our heart, we become with Him fellow heirs to eternal life. We are attached to Him and we get this together with Him. We inherit this through Him and with Him. And the same is going on in a marriage. Together, if we both profess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are fellow heirs, joint heirs in this great thing called eternal life. And if you remember back in 1 Peter, early on in the, in the chapter 1, in the verses that we looked at there, we saw, this just occurred to me, we saw that the promise, the inheritance that we're going to get 
One day, he's urging exiles to stay the course and endure persecution. The inheritance that we get is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. She is a fellow heir of that, this imperishable, undefiled inheritance that's being held and guarded by God himself in heaven for all of eternity. She's going to taste that with you. And so honor her as a weaker vessel, knowing for certain that she is highly valuable and very, very delicate. And she's an heir, a joint heir in this thing called the grace of life. Now, she last week got some instructions on submitting to her own husband and adorning herself with godliness instead of materialism. And so we're putting these two together now. And if she fulfills her role last week that we talked about and you fulfill your role this week that we're talking about, there's something called bliss that does happen. Oh, it's there to be had. Wives and husbands, it's there to be had. Bliss is what God designed for you to have in your marriage in this life now because you will have bliss for all of eternity. But it takes humility in her submitting to her own husband and him living with his own wife in an understanding way. And where these two come together, incredible things happen. And in this life, the gospel is proclaimed because that's how Jesus and his church, his bride, the church, coexist. So, I think it's best to understand this from an eternal life standpoint. She is a fellow heir with you men. And so you treat her as such now. You treat her as such now. So here's the bottom line of this. He's telling husbands here in this verse that we are to view our wives at our level. No looking down. We're to lift our eyes our wives up to eye level, and we need to see them as our partners in the gospel with unique traits that we need to conform our leadership towards. He's telling husbands not to look down on their wives because they are women. He's telling husbands to lift their wives up to a high and honorable place. It's biblical marriage. That's biblical husbanding. And he's calling us to do this so that we may be right with God. So let me circle back now and conclude with this purpose statement. This so that. Live with her in an understanding way. Show her honor as a weaker vessel. She's a fellow heir of yours and the grace of life. Do these things. Treat her as such so that your prayers may not be hindered. So that your relationship with God will thrive. And here we come to Jesus' two greatest commandments, right? Love God. Love neighbor. Your closest neighbor is your wife, men. And if you love God, you will treat her as Peter has instructed us here this morning. So, when a man mistreats his wife, when a man neglects his wife, when a man discourages his wife... Okay, It is a sign that that man is not right with God. 
You cannot be fully sold out and right with God and mistreat your wife verbally, physically, emotionally. You can't. And it's an indicator when you mistreat your wife, neglect her in any way, it's an indicator that you're not right with your God. And you need to bang. You need to instantly say, wow, I just did that. I just said that. I've got a problem in my relationship with God. And, and my prayers are going to be hindered until I get this right. It's not really about your wife and your relationship with her, men. First, it is second. But first, this teaching is really about you and your relationship with God. I want to rephrase that. This, this first and foremost is about God and you and your relationship to Him. And then it's about your harmonious or lack thereof relationship with your wife on this earth. So first and foremost, this speaks to who you are in your relationship with God. And here is the ultimate bottom line of all of this passage. How you relate to Jesus Christ, husbands, will directly, directly affect how you relate to your wife. And the opposite is true. How you relate to your wife will directly affect how you relate to Jesus Christ. It, it, it's a cycle. It really, really is. You're not right with Christ, you're not going to be right with her for long. You might fake it for a few days, but you're not going to be right for her, with her for long. And if you're not right with her, you can't even fake being right with God because God knows the truth. We may think you're right with God, but we don't count. God knows the heart, and He knows when you're right with Him and when you're not. So I urge you this morning to understand that the command here by Peter is really a command to be right with God by being right with your wife. Let's pray. Father, you have walked us through now for several weeks how we are to relate to various people in our lives, governments, employers, husbands, wives, and Father, you've done this for the purpose of showing us how to live as exiles in a world that's not our home. And you've called us, Father, to do this with, with evangelism at heart because when people look into our lives and see us living godly lives that honor you and honor the authorities and the relationships that you've established, people see a picture of Christ who submitted and who treated his bride as one who was a weaker vessel with honor. And so, Father, I pray that you would change us where we need to be changed in these relationships. And I especially pray for every husband in this room or that will hear this message, that you would conform them to your blueprint for how it is to live out a godly life as a godly husband. Father, for those husbands that are not fulfilling this calling, I pray that you would convict them with this word. I pray that you would bring them out of the woodwork, that you would bring them to me or to Josh or to Colton, to all of our staff and pastors and elders. I pray that you would bring men forward who say, 
I need help living out this verse. I pray, Father, that you would change us and grow and strengthen our church as a result of the strong men who are husbands in our midst. And Father, I do pray for those that are not married here this morning that she would find a man who lives like this, that he would be a husband that lives like this so that your gospel is continued to proclaim, be proclaimed in a world that we don't belong in. And I pray this in the strong name of our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I would ask, I would ask this morning, you know, we've just spent two Sundays in a row on marriage. I would ask wives and husbands, would, would you, right there in your chair, privately, or together as a couple, I, I don't know where this needs to happen, but would you spend some time before the Lord asking Him to conform you to 1 Peter 3, 1 through 7? Would, would you ask Him to build your marriage out to reflect this passage so that you will thrive in your relationship with God? That's the purpose for this. And then, yes, so there will be harmony in your home. And yes, so there will be evangelism happening with your kids watching this marriage unfold before their very eyes or friends or family watching this marriage unfold. Would, would you pray this morning? Let's don't just hear a message on husbands and go eat some lunch. Let's, let's stop and do some work here and ask God to conform us to this in these next few moments.